since the French embassy in Delhi, when contacted earlier, had urged me to be in France as soon as possible, and preferably within a month, a lot of formalities remained to be, com to be completed before the takeoff, and after paying short visits to relatives and neighbors, I had to rush back to the capital to get the travel démarche in motion. Firstly, I had to arrange to get a passport issued in my name and to get an entry visa to France stamped therein. To add to my anxiety, I hardly knew any person in authority or high position in Delhi then who could use his or her influence to speed up, speed up such intricate formalities. Again, my favorite gods appeared to come to my rescue in the time of crisis and desperation. As a pastime, I used to frequent twice-weekly French classes at Bharadhyapidya Bhavan, a reputed institution of learning in the heart of the capital. In company of Anand, a Tamilian friend, and Rama Brahma, a former classmate of mine at Tippar Pondicherry, and both colleagues at Lady Hardage Medical College. When we were having a cup of tea and a bite of adu samosas, fried snack bowls stuffed with boiled and spicy tomato, as part of a minor farewell party in the Pidya Pavan cafeteria, one of our classmates, Mr. Ramanarayanan, an elderly-looking IAS officer from Tamil Nadu, joined the party on my insistence to share the joy of the impending foreign trip. During the chat, when I casually expressed to the audience my helplessness of securing a passport and such a short notice, Mr. Ramanarayanan, much to my pleasant surprise and unfathomable glee, ventured curtly. Don't worry, man, I can help you out. Since he was, he was a senior IAS official, then attached to the Central Vigilance Commission, and since conditions for issue of passport, then insisted on having an approval from a senior government official or a member or from a member of parliament, Mr. Ramanarayanan's words I thought then were worth the weight in gold. The necessary formalities of passport application were completed in express queue time, and when I approached the Delhi passport office to inquire about possible date of passport delivery, much to my agony, Mr. Parameshwaran, a glum-looking, thin-skinned, thin-bodied public relation officer blurted bluntly, without the slightest of regret. We are unable to trace your application, my friend. I returned to my room in Carson Road Hostel, crestfallen, desolate, and disillusioned, and when I broke the news to my friends around, they were unanimous in their assessment. Maybe the guy wants his palm to be greased, a custom unfortunately common then 
when dealing with government departments. Much to my surprise, again, Mr. Ramanarayanan rushed to my rescue and consoled me. Don't worry, man. Next time you go to that office, meet the guilty officer and tell him that if your passport is not delivered within 48 hours, he may have to face an inquiry from the Vigilance Commission. I promptly delivered the warning to Mr. Parameshwar and when he replied, I will do my best to locate the lost documents as soon as I can. Feeling relieved, I left the office and when I returned to the passport office two days later, my passport was right on top of the booklets redeemed for delivery. I called up Mr. Ramanarayanan at his office to thank him profusely for his wonderful help and thank the gods too for helping me to tide over the crisis at a critical juncture. Mr. M. Mugundan, a budding writer in Malayalam language then, and Mr. Devarajan, both hailing from Mayuri, a French protectorate in the recent past, were particularly helpful in facilitating my visa procedures, procedures and in securing the air ticket from France. The authorized airline designated for the scholarship holders. The generous help from my friends, particularly Chandran, Gobinath, Chandrasekhar, Ravindran, all colleagues at Lady Cottage Medical College and long-time friends since student days in Jipma Medical College, Pondicherry, merits a special mention for making my travel preparation smooth and easy. Ramakrishnan, my neighbor and childhood friend in native Pudikapurang, and my close associate for discovery of Delhi's environs as a pillion rider in his bicycle during the two-year stay in the capital, was immensely helpful too. I have learned from casual chat with the Kerlite friends at the French Cultural Center that it can be quite hot in August and that I may not need much woolen or warm clothes, at least for a month. But they warned me, after August, don't expect the weather to be hot or warm, and that I have to be reasonably equipped with enough protection clothing against biting cold. Thankfully, my experience with the daily winter of the past two years had sensitized me to that eventuality although such provisions unfortunately added much weight to my travel baggage too. The flight to Paris, as was the custom those days for international flights, was to depart around midnight. And I had been specifically instructed by Air France personnel to be at airport at least three hours before departure time for completion of all travel formalities. As someone used to rail and bus journeys only till then, such conditions were, for air travel were, to say the least, incomprehensible and puzzling. Accompanied by friends, I reached the airport in a hired taxi car, well ahead of reporting time and headed straight to the counter with the air signboard Air France hanging overhead. 
The Indian middle-aged lady handling the counter was polite and answered all my queries with patience and with a certain admiration. On being told I was on way to Paris, credited with a French government merit scholarship. When I was about to move into the check-in counter nearby, the lady politely called me back and said, Please tell me how you managed this. Maybe my son, who is only schooling now, can aspire to get such a lottery. Too later, when he grows up, I briefed her about my qualifications and about the procedures that I had to go through before getting the note from all concerned. When I explained to her that I was from a remote village in Kerala and that I had my schooling in normal, unheard of regional schools there and not in coveted, much hyped private English medium convents, her curiosity and admiration took a different turn. Maybe you are extremely rich or have political high-level connections, right? No, my parents are not rich nor I have any political connection, I replied. I just had a first-rank, first-class degree in master's from, repute, from a reputed Madras University and a reputed medical institution called Chipman, and had taken some French language lessons. Further, I was able to fare very in written test and interview. That was all. I clarified to quench her curiosity. The lady's inquisitiveness was not unexpected, since foreign travel and studies in those days were unthinkable for the overwhelming majority without money power and or political muscle power. The procedures at the check-in counter were unexpectedly lengthy and somewhat puzzling. The heavy suitcase was labelled with my name and address in bold letters tagged and sent in, a, sent in separately to a small conveyor belt nearby and was issued a small acknowledgement slip to be shown when asked and when retrieving the same at Paris International Airport, the disembarkation point. The small briefcase in my hand was allowed as cabin baggage under the condition that it will have to be subject to various checks before entering the aircraft. A small rectangular shaped a coupon named boarding pass with flight details, seat number, exit class scribbled in bold letters in ink was issued by the counter clerk as the entry pass to be retained till the end of journey. Keep the boarding pass and passport and luggage slip safely and now you have to proceed to the immigration control before proceeding to the aircraft. The check-in clerk was professional and courteous too.